Once there was a boy. He was wide-eyed and full of wonder. His heart was wild, and he dreamed of spending his life exploring the wonders of this mysterious world. While others dreamed different kinds of dreams, he knew that nothing would ever satisfy his heart more than seeing far-off places, places others were too busy or too dull to take note of. One day, while he was out on a great quest, he saw an elf sleeping in the hollow of a great tree. Not wanting to disturb the creature, but knowing he could not pass up the opportunity to behold him, the boy crept close. Now the elf, being a magical creature, he sensed the boy's approach, and he jumped up with a start, bumping his head at the top of the hollow. The boy was filled with compassion, for he did not wish to disturb the elf, and also feeling much remorse for disturbing his slumber. The boy apologized as a tear ran down his cheek. Now the elf had never met anyone with a heart so good, and so he wanted to bless the boy. He gave him the chance to have any desire of his heart fulfilled. Whatever he would ask for, it would come to be. Now the boy knew right away what his heart desired more than anything else. For he longed to see the wonders of this wild world, to look upon them in marvel. But being young, he didn't trust himself. And so he asked the elf for a little more time before he made his decision. Upon returning home, the boy sought the counsel of others those who were older and wiser. He told them the story of the elf and he asked for their advice. Unanimously they told him, wealth and power are better, for no place on earth will be out of the reach of a man who is truly wealthy and powerful. Choose wealth and power and you shall have it all. Now their wisdom made sense to the boy. And so when the elf appeared later that night, asking for his final decision, the boy betrayed himself and he chose according to the wisdom of others. At once, something in the boy changed. He, he became serious and astute and driven no longer did he have need for adventure. Exploration seemed like a waste of time. No one invited him to play anymore, for they knew he had no time. He became serious and driven and devoted himself to the work of becoming wealthy and powerful. And just as the elf had promised, he was successful. One success led to another. One goal achieved revealed another just ahead. 
And as his wealth and power grew, he hardly even noticed that his world had become smaller and he had become very old. One day, as he was looking at his aged reflection in a mirror, he spotted a small flicker of a dying flame, long forgotten. Of course, how could he forget? All this was so that he could see the wonders of this wild world, go to places beheld by the eyes of very few, look upon them and marvel. He must go now. But that's when he realized that his feet, they had become heavy and slow, not having moved swiftly in many years. And his eyes, having no need to see long distances, they had lost their ability to. His body had become curved in on itself from decades spent poring over his plans. His hands had become palsied after a lifetime spent controlling minute detail. And although he had become wealthy and powerful, just as the elf promised, it had cost him greatly. He had lost the ability to be whole. You know, life pulls at us in a constant downward direction. But something powerful happens when you look up. I mean, physiologically in our bodies, right? Something changes when we look up. Our, our shoulders relax. Our lungs expand. We can breathe a little deeper. Our spines straighten and it allows all that cerebral spinal fluid, that healing stuff flowing through our nervous system, it allows it to flow more freely. It feels good. When we look up, it's not only our bodies that change, but something powerful happens in our minds. We're able to lose ourselves in the joy of observation. And just for a minute, we can shut off that, that broken record playing in our minds, that record of, of worry and fear and, and dread on repeat over and over again. I don't know about you, but when I think about moments in my life where I've been most at peace, most at rest, there are often moments where I'm either on a beach somewhere, just watching the horizon, watching the water flow in or out, or there are moments where I'm simply lying on my back, looking up into the sky. I think of a day last winter after a, a big snowfall, my son Corbin begged me to go out side and uh, go sledding with him. And so uh, we got all dressed up, bundled up. It was one of those big snows. And uh, we went out and we discovered the snow wasn't any kind of snow that you could sled in. Uh, it was not successful. So instead, we took to making snow angels. 
And there was this moment where we had both just made a snow angel, Corbin's smaller angel nested into mine. And uh, without even saying anything, we both found ourselves just lying there in the snow, looking up into the sky. And that moment was so powerful for me, in part because there I am with my boy. But also the world was so quiet, just as it is after the snow falls, uh, where, where everything just is, is, is quiet and still. And there was something about the sky that day that we just both looked up into. We were lost in the sky. And I, and I remember my heart just feeling so full and so content. And if I'm honest, my heart doesn't feel that way many days. But that moment reminds me of lots of other moments I have experienced in my life. Moments just like it, lying on a picnic blanket, Bluebird Park, with my kids playing around me and, and just looking up at the sky, watching the clouds, or lying out on this, uh, I was an exchange student my senior year of college, and I was in the north of London, and I was out in this horse in cow pasture, there was this stone wall, and I was laying on top of the stone wall. It was like an old fence, and there was a meteor shower that night. And I remember this moment of just lying on that stone wall, looking up at the stars in the sky, watching meteors fall over London. Where I think about the time that my uncle called us because the northern lights had made their way all the way down to southeastern Michigan, where I grew up. And he called us on the phone and he said, get out into the yard. And so we ran out into the yard and I've never seen anything like it. It was cold outside and I didn't put on a coat before I went outside, but I refused to go back in to get a coat. No one would because we didn't want to miss a moment. It was so powerful. I honestly thought that Jesus might be returning in that moment. It was transcendent. It was so peaceful. And you see, that's just the thing. It's not only that looking up is good for our, our bodies or good for our minds, but there's something spiritual that happens when we look up. I mean, why do you think for centuries those who designed great cathedrals made them so tall and great? Why do they put spires on the tops of churches other than to point our eyes up? There's something spiritual that happens within us when we look up. I think we realize that we're small. And all that may sound like a threatening idea, it's, it's a helpful idea. When you think about who we are in the scale of the universe, that our planet is but a speck in the greater universe and we are but a speck on that speck. It reveals to us some truth that the Bible spoke centuries ago that says we are but a mist or a vapor that appears for a moment and then disappears. You know, so often we get twisted up in the things going on in our lives as if it matters so much. And sometimes there's something so good about remembering that we're small. And that even if life is hard, if things are a mess, these things are only momentary. It's good to be dwarfed by the trees, to be dwarfed by the clouds, to realize that there are things that are so much greater than we are. It's good to feel small. Not only is it good to feel small, but in our spirits, it's good to remember that our God is great. He's the one who put all of this in its place. And he's great in power. He's great in love, in mercy, in compassion. We, we hold these tensions 
these two things in tension as Christians, that on one hand, our lives are insignificant. We don't matter much at all, and yet we are the crown of God's creation. We matter so much. And those two things taken together are profoundly good for our spirits because they keep us from becoming bloated with self-importance, and they keep us from becoming anemic with a sense that we don't matter. Those things are to be taken together. You see, there's something so powerful that happens to us when we look up. But the pull of life is in a constant direction downward. And that's why I find it fascinating that Isaiah, Isaiah is the prophet who spoke more about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus, than anyone else. I find it fascinating that one of Isaiah's favorite phrases was the phrase, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, he says. Right, arise, shine, all this, this light is coming. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and you, you'll swell with joy simply when you look up, when you lift up your eyes. It's like Isaiah was trying to let us know that, hey, life will pull us down, but if you don't look up, you'll miss it. And it's true. We miss it. It's true of those people living in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Bethlehem, everybody knew was to be the place the Messiah was going to be born. It was no secret that Bethlehem was the location. Bethlehem was the city of David. David was the great king. The Messiah would come from the line of David. Therefore, Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. Everybody knew it was Bethlehem. And yet, you probably know the story. That that night... As Mary and Joseph are there giving birth, no one notices. How on earth do you miss a woman giving birth? It's not a quiet thing, right? And yet, and yet no one notices what's happening. They're too busy watching Sports Center, I guess, playing words with friends, maybe watching reruns of friends, TikToking, Snapchatting. I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't paying attention, right? And we can judge them, except we know that in our lives, the same thing happens. The pull of life is downward. So often, we're pulled down into the, into the nitty-gritty of life, into the dirt, into the mud, into partisan politics, into arguing and infighting. We, we get pulled into a limited vision, so we don't see much. We don't, we don't behold what God is doing around us. Our, our vision becomes small. We curve in on ourselves, which, by the way, is what theologians have said for centuries, is a great definition of what our sinful nature is all about. If you want to know what that means, sinful nature, it, it means that we have this nature that is turned inward or curved inward on ourselves. And so what that means is that we end up living a life focused on our plans, thinking they're so important, achieving things that we think matter so much, and in the meantime, they don't matter as much as we think, and in fact, they cause us to miss things that are even greater. And that's why we spend a life stockpiling things that we think will bring us joy, and they bring us joy temporarily, but we get so focused on those things, protecting those things, securing those things, replacing those things, that we miss some of the greater things that God has put before us that don't require all of that work or energy or effort or protection. In life, 
we get pulled down in our relationships, don't we? Into infighting, ongoing conflict. We refuse to forgive people for the stuff they've done. It seems like such a big deal what they've done. And even when it is a big deal, we won't let go. Drinking that proverbial poison of unforgiveness, hoping that by us drinking it, it's going to hurt the other person. But, but here's the thing I want you to know about God, that God knows us. He, he sees us. He knows us the way that we are, that, that we have a hard time pulling ourselves up. And so God, throughout the Bible, going way back to Isaiah, before Isaiah, God is a God who is constantly calling us to lift up our eyes to look up. You see it that night in Bethlehem. God places a star in the sky. And not everyone notices the star, but some notice the star, right? These, uh, these astrologers from the east, from Persia or beyond, they see the star in the sky and they know it means something and they're not sure exactly what it means, but they follow it and they go to Jerusalem, then they go to Bethlehem. And because they looked up, because they saw this star, they didn't miss Jesus. They had the opportunity to meet Jesus. And it wasn't just for them. Then God put an angel in the sky over those shepherds who were watching over their flocks by night outside of Bethlehem. I'm not a shepherd, but I imagine that night is the time you have to be especially vigilant, right? Against predators, against thieves, vigilant against your own sleepiness. You have to be hyper-focused. But God did not want them to miss what was happening in their city. And so he puts an angel in the sky. Not just an angel then. That angel is joined by a multitude of angels who start singing over them. Glory to God in the highest heavens. Makes you wonder with a whole choir of angels singing in the skies. How did everyone else miss it? I don't know, but the shepherds didn't. God called their vision higher. He, he called them to lift up their eyes and they did. And I guess that's what I want to say to you tonight. See, here we are tonight, and uh, we've been running around like crazy people for a month, right? And uh, maybe you've got a lot of running left to do today. That's why you're at the 3 o'clock service. You've got a lot left. And maybe for some of you, the running has gone on a lot longer than a month. Maybe it's been a whole lifestyle for you. Tonight... The same God who put a star in the sky so that the wise men could see, who put angels in the sky so the shepherds would have their, their eyes lifted up and they would not miss the miraculous in the midst of the mundane. That same God is calling to you and he's inviting you to lift up your eyes, to look up, to stand up straight, to, to breathe. He's calling you to behold to put away all of your lists, all of the distractions, all of your worries and your fears and your regrets and all the things that preoccupy your mind, just to push those things away and to behold what our God has done, that he has not only come down for us, but he has become one of us. Insignificant us, God has become like us so that someday we might become like him, and he's, he's done this for us. And it's true all the time, but how often do we miss it? God says, not tonight, not tonight, don't miss it. Just look up and behold what I have done for you. The, the mystery of my love, the mystery of my incarnation and my rescue for you. Tonight is a night where we lift up our eyes and we worship. We worship a God who has done all of this for us. See, tonight is not just a worship service. It's not just another Christmas service. Tonight is your wake-up call. 
to break the yoke of all of the things that pull you in, that pull you down, that suck the life out of you, and and to lift up your eyes and to stand up straight. In fact, right now, stand up straight. Stand up. Stand up straight. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your hearts. Take in the wonder of this moment that our God has come for us. God has become like us. Although we are small, our God loves us with an everlasting love. Behold the mystery and the wonder of this night and and worship the God who is worthy of it. We've sung it once. I want you to sing it with me now. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing it again. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Now pray with me. Lord, you did not come into a perfect world, but you came into a world of conflict, of doubt, and fear, to a people weary with hopelessness lost in darkness, in desperate need of direction. You came humbly, Lord, born of a virgin to a simple family, with the light of your glory seen only by shepherds and sorcerers. You came to a world in a manger, and you left it on a cross. And now join me, pray this together. Lift up your eyes and pray this together. Now, dear Jesus, come again. Come into my fears and doubts. Make me your dwelling place. Make me humble so I can love and serve like you. Prepare a quiet place within me where peace and joy are born. Lift up my head to behold your mystery, wonder, and beauty. Give me the gift of yourself and make me a gift to the world around me. The world you love, the world you came down to save, For your name's sake, amen.